And what it do, world? Welcome to Market Banter. This is the people's financial show. We do it for the people right here. Uh, I am Dion Rabowen, financial journalist. I write the Axios Markets newsletter. With me, as always, on the podcast is my man, Dan Enfield. He's a comedian. He's a working man, a working stiff. He works as hard as anybody in the business and does it for you. What's going on, Dan? <laughs> What's going on? What an intro. <laughs> I got to say, hey, we got to every week, you know, uh, a big intro for a big man. How you doing? <laughs> <laughs> let me, let me ask you something, man. We got, um, so the holiday season has already officially started. Like we've already started the holiday season because Amazon prime day was actually two days. Right. Uh, it was October 12th and 13th or the 13th and 14th. One of those combinations. Uh, have you already done any holiday shopping? I haven't, but like, uh, I think with e-commerce and stuff now, it's hard to know when all that stuff really ends and begins. I mean, remember back in the day, we would like wait online for deals and stores would be like really crowded around the holidays. You talk like a New Yorker. So when you say online, do you mean inline or do you mean online? No, like online, like, uh, standing online for inline, inline, yeah, online. You mean inline is what you mean. People used to stand online. No, people used to stand inline. Now they go online. (laughs) <laughs> that's that is my thing with you east coasters i don't understand why you say online you stand in line there is a line and you are in it you are sounds in the like line. A, a really bad jerry seinfeld bit now why do they say online versus in line i mean which one is it jerry <laughs> yeah that's i all right fine i sound like jerry seinfeld anyway we got a really great show today um austin lieberman he's a lead advisor at seven invest he's gonna be talking to us a little bit about uh a little bit about <laughs> one of your favorite companies, Dan, uh, and that's Zoom. We're going to be talking Zoom. We're going to be talking what growth stocks uh, are really legit for the portfolio. And he's been a guy who's talked a lot about Zoom. And I think you'll be surprised to hear what he says about Zoom during our uh, our interview. Uh, we also got Jimmy Song. And this is wow. going to be really exciting because he's talking, he's a Bitcoin evangelist, educator, and he's the author of the book Programming Bitcoin. So obviously he is, uh, he's quite a fan of the cryptocurrencies. And obviously Dan has been, uh, has poo-pooed the currencies a little bit, <laughs> as I suppose I have as well. So we're going to get into it with, uh, with Jimmy Song and Austin Lieberman about some of these uh, growth stocks that you know, or just going crazy and the, the 10 baggers as it were also going to do a, a round of balling or bumming. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, we're going to talk a little bit more about holiday shopping. So this is, this is a really good show. It's really action, exciting. I think it was action packed. Yeah. Action packed is an action packed episode of market banter. Um, I bring up the holiday shopping because I wrote this story a little earlier this week in the newsletter about um, this holiday shopping season. And while people are probably going to hear a lot about, you know, oh, Amazon Prime Day, uh, I think it was like digital traffic was up 70% or 71%. And, you know, you're, you're hearing about growth and digital sales increasing by 40% and all that. But what I think is getting lost in this is just how destructive this has been for retail. I mean, the combination of the coronavirus, the fact that we haven't dealt with the pandemic, and then just the fact that people don't feel safe going into stores. And there's this huge transition, everything digital, everything online. Like 
it's just this holiday season is going to be so bad for small businesses, for local businesses, for people that sell things to people in person and operate out of a store. And I just want to make sure that doesn't get lost in all this. And like, if you haven't done your holiday shopping, I would just encourage everyone out there, go do some business with a small business. Um, go spend some money in a, you know, with one of your neighbors, someone who's in your neighborhood who sells things. Cause man, they are getting killed right now. Just absolutely destroyed. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. I mean, it's, it's bad like, for uh, everyone. I almost like asked myself, like, why does anybody go to a store anymore? And the only answer I can come up with is at least for someone like me is you just need something to do, you know? <laughs> yeah. Really I mean, I guess there's that. There, there's that's it it's just like boredom like hey i'm gonna go to the store and just check some stuff out <laughs> well the other thing like is I had, to, uh, I had to return something for my wife at, for amazon and kohl's has an amazon a free amazon return so you know they put it like all the way in the back of the store so you have to like walk through the entire kohl's store oh i'm sure they're thinking like you know oh yeah let me see if i need this uh shirt now you know it's smart yeah, well, I mean, there there are some stores though that sell things that you really can't find online, and obviously they need to get hip to the 21st century and whatnot. But it just, man, I feel really badly for. I called up this restaurant that I've been going to for years since I lived out here in uh, in Harlem, and they used to only be closed on Mondays. And I called them up on a Tuesday, like, yeah, we're closed Sunday through Tuesday now. Wow, and I was like, ugh. That's that's rough. And I know they're just, you know, like clearly the phone is now going straight to their home phone. Like I think I called them at home at nine o'clock at night. They're this old Italian couple. What kind of place is really bad? (laughs) So what'd you say? What kind of place is this? No, that's what I'm saying. I think it it's they just now only have one phone. You know, they don't even have a business phone anymore. They're just answering their cell phone or forwarding the business line to their cell phone. It's rough out there. No more credit card machines. I mean, they're probably, you know, they're probably feeling it. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, that gets us to, I think, um, a company that is doing really well right now, and that's Zoom. And a lot of these other companies like Fastly and, you know, the whole online economy, e-commerce, and all of that. So we're going to talk with Austin Lieberman. He is the lead advisor at 7invest. This is our conversation with Austin. Welcome in, Austin Lieberman. Austin, what's going on, man? How are you? Doing well, doing well. How about you? I am doing very well. I'm excited about this interview because Dan and I have had a bad habit on this show of bashing Zoom. Uh, we've talked a lot about it, and you, I know, are very bullish on Zoom. So I'm really excited that we get a chance to talk to a Zoom bull on Market Banter. A Zoom bull. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. to be clear, though, I uh, I was very bullish on Zoom since the IPO. Owned it pretty much until just last week, and I actually sold my shares. Um, so I'm still, I still think the company's going to outperform, right? But I'm happy to wait, talk wait, about wait, it. whoa, whoa, whoa! No, 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 Austin, you can't. If the company's going to outperform, why would you sell it? Because there's better places, in my opinion, for my money. Right? There's better places that I can invest. I'm happy to happy to go into details there of of why and how I think about that. But it's probably not what you're thinking. It's not really valuation based. Uh huh. Okay. That I mean, that to me is the big knock on Zoom. Just that the the valuation that it trades at is insane. But that's just, I mean, given where it is, I think it's up over $520 a share at this point. IPO'd for what, around 60? Yeah. Um, 
and so that that growth story has just been crazy. Um, and I think the the conversation that Dan and I have had, and Dan, let me know if I if I'm messing this up, but it's basically just that like Zoom didn't invent video communication, yes. it didn't invent the video meeting. And so it seems absurd that a company that is in a a sector or a um, I don't know an area right that is as crowded as video communications and video meeting would be worth this much money and have this kind of valuation. But talk yeah. to me about what you're thinking is on Zoom, why you liked it, why you sold it, and where else you're seeing these better opportunities because Zoom is I think officially a ten bagger at this point. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So. Thanks for thanks for having me, guys. I'm excited to be here. And uh, yeah, so Zoom. What interested me at IPO was the company I was working at was a virtual education company, and uh, we, you know, our entire business was basically built on Zoom. And I was doing, you know, interactions every day with two, three hundred students. And you know, this company uh, has raised millions of dollars from venture capitalists and is potentially building a, you know, hundred million or billion dollar plus business teaching virtual education online. And that was back in what, uh, 2018-ish. Um, I don't have the dates sitting in front of me. So uh, that's what initially got me interested. And so from the platform's per perspective, it, to me, it was much more than video. We interacted yeah. with our students on there. Uh, we're able to charge for, in, in, you know, build a business off of teaching remotely online. Yeah, Fast forward sure. to to the pandemic, right? And, and the entire world was hurting. Uh, many businesses are trying to figure out how they can stay in business, if they can scale, restaurants are shutting down, all of that stuff, right? And we saw the, the I in around, it was like March, April timeframe, I doubled or tripled my position in Zoom because the there was a lot of like security concerns, which I didn't really believe were security concerns. It was just people that didn't know how to use the platform messing up. And, but more importantly, what we saw was their meetings literally 10 X. So the amount of meetings that were happening on the platform, 10 X in a matter of a month, right? As we've the all been level locked of in and, operational, know, every, every company is on zoom. Zoom is kind of like a running joke on Twitter. Not a joke as in the company's joke, but a joke about people talking about the company, which is great. Yeah. But so let's talk about how impressive that is for a company to be able to 10 X their platform in a month, right? Like there's not many companies in the world that can even pull that off. And so the fact that they were able to do that and that the platform had that much demand, it was the most popular application in the world, or at least in America, it was just very clear that, um, the company was undervalued. And I was out there on Twitter saying that even at, you know, a hundred, 200, $300 a share, I thought zoom was undervalued. Um, and then just recently, uh, it was like last week, I, I sold my shares. And it's not because, you know, I think the, sh the shares might go to $1,000 this year, which is, is kind of a little bit ridiculous, right? But in Super, the, in the super groups, ridiculous in my opinion. Yeah, but you've been wrong on the company, I think, so far, right? If you've been bearish on it. So the the right. the reason I sold it is because now it's sitting at $160 billion market cap. There's a lot of good news built into the the share price, which is is I think we're getting to where the risk reward is no longer as beneficial right. so, as some other opportunities that are out there that are. So know, is it is it a, a size thing? Is it just that Zoom kind of is now I'm too big, or or is it just that you think the pace of growth is going to slow? I think 
a lot of the good news is built in built into the the company and the share price now like people people didn't see how effective they were going to be in in March and April and people have caught on to it now and everybody's talking about it and then additionally I invest in companies that I I want to double, triple, potentially 5x, maybe even 10x and it's it's hard for me to imagine. Right. Yeah. Right, yeah. It's mm-hmm. hard for me to imagine from here Zoom 5xing or 10xing faster yeah. than some companies that are out there that are, you know, 50 billion dollar market cap still growing fast uh and under. Okay. So let's Let's talk about those. What are some of those companies that you see? Because obviously, if you were on Twitter talking to everybody about Zoom, you've been proven right. So that they want to know what's next. What do you see? Yeah. Out there so next? a couple, um, another company I talk about a lot, which has been in the news negatively lately, is a company called Fastly. Um, they they're basically a content yeah. delivery network, and then working on a, a cloud edge platform as well as some security stuff. They've got you know great customers like Shopify, Stripe, Pinterest, a lot of the most innovative companies. Um, that's a that's a company that I could see you know being much larger in the future than it is today. They just recently updated. And wait, sorry, Austin, uh, w- talk about a little why they're in the news negatively. Yeah, they just it was this week I think, or maybe it was last week. Now everything's kind of blending together, but they just updated their guidance <laughs> or results for the next quarter, and they had originally guided for it was uh-huh. like seventy-two to seventy-five million dollars for the next quarter, and they just updated guidance. Uh, to I think 70 to 71, those numbers might be off by a million or two million. So basically, you know, guiding down four million dollars, uh, and so the t- the stock just took like a 25 30 percent hit, but it's still up you know 300 percent this year. These these stocks are are volatile, and then also you know their largest customer was TikTok, and all the political right. stuff with TikTok, and we're wondering now, is TikTok still a customer? Are they going to grow as much? So there's a lot of fear exactly. around Fastly right now. Yeah. And so you feel like their growth comes from its partnerships with those other companies, or you just think the the TikTok worries are over Yeah, there? I think, you know, uh, this reminds me a lot of um, Twilio back in, it was like 2017 when they lost Uber as a customer, or most of Uber's business, it, the stock got crushed. And to me, the other pla- other companies like Shopify, Stripe, Etsy, Pinterest that are relying on on Fastly for their CDN and then and then the potential growth with Computed Edge and then Secure at Edge, which is right. is basically the next extension of kind of the cloud internet. If you think about AWS, Azure, right. and uh, Google Cloud Platform, so I just think the future market and where the world is going is more on the internet, more users, more customized applications. And Fastly and even a company, uh, Cloudflare, ticker is uh, NET, are what I believe building kind of the future of of the internet and, and sort of the next wave of, gotcha. of where we're going. But, uh, okay. Austin, I just right. have a couple that questions is... about the Zoom because I'm just like uh, trying to understand like the Zoom fervor or the Zoom, you know, the, the Zoom, uh, the, the, the love people have of Zoom. So I've used Zoom probably like, all right, so like I'll make an analogy, and again, I'm very much a novice about this, and I'm sure most of our listeners are too. That's why they tune in. But I think of a place like LinkedIn, right? I've used LinkedIn a bunch of times. Uh, I don't give LinkedIn a single dollar, but there's advertising and there's premium memberships and stuff. So I get why LinkedIn is like so big. But with Zoom, I probably use Zoom a hundred times. I've never seen an ad on Zoom. And I've never, um, you know, paid for it. And in fact, now that I know they're going to like a pay model, 
I've heard people complaining that uh, the fact that they, uh, you know, the the that the pay version is like not as good because the, the meetings now are cut off after like thirty minutes if you don't pay and stuff like that. And yeah, yeah. I just and not and never mind the fact that a, another product like a Google Meet I think is just so much better and smoother. I just think Zoom is like I don't want to say it sucks, but I just I don't get it. I don't I don't get it. <laughs> I don't want to say it sucks. It's like, yeah, it's one of those things. Yeah, it's so, like it's like it's like if you see like a Honda yeah. or something, and you're like, this costs you know twenty grand. All right, I get that. But if this same Honda Honda Civic costs like half a million bucks, you're like something something's off here. Something, something ain't right. <laughs> yeah. but that's my. Yeah, so you're kind of you're kind of going off like the Peter Lynch model, right? Like invest in the things you use and what you know, right? And that could be great. That can really work. But you've also got to pay attention to the numbers, right? There is no company on earth the size of Zoom, anywhere near the size of Zoom, that's growing as fast. And so, um, regardless of what you might think your personal opinion is. The facts and the data just tell the exact opposite story. 355% year over year revenue growth at $2.6 billion in annualized revenue and 130% dollar based net expansion rate. And what that means is that's just, uh, if it's over 100%, that means customers last year are spending more than they spent previously. And so for every user like you who might not see the paid side of, of Zoom, there are banks and schools and corporations that are paying thousands or potentially hundreds of thousands of dollars, maybe millions of dollars to have their, their people yeah. on there and, and then do communications amongst each other, um, build businesses off of it. And so that's right. where the, the move previously, I think, was very justified. And, and now we're starting to get to the point wow. where I'm like, all right, this is getting a little... A, a little <laughs> crazy or a little expensive, yeah, yeah. But still, it's probably it's probably going to still do just fine. Yeah. So that was that was Austin Lieberman, lead advisor at Seven Invest. Um, Austin had a lot to say. He was very he was very persuasive. I appreciate people who believe in the growth stocks because I could never be an investor like that. Like I could never just be like, I believe this growth story, even though none of the numbers back it up. Right. Like this company trades for 150 times earnings, but I'm going to buy it because I think it's going to go to 300 times earnings right. or something. Well, yeah. But like I always say, you know, it's, it's one thing to like root for a sports team and make a prediction. Cause if you're wrong, at least like, you know, you haven't lost people's pension funds, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But now, I mean, that's where all the money is. That's where all the money is. All the money is in these companies with these ridiculous um, PE ratios that no one should pay any attention to anymore. They should just listen to people like Austin who say, like, I think this company is going to be huge. Buy it. Because that's the only thing that matters anymore. Speaking of, uh, Dan, we're going to play a little game called Ballin' or Bummin'. Ooh. Um, yeah, yeah. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start. Um I'm going to say a name or a thing or a place, and you tell me whether it's ballin' or bummin'. Uh, the first one, Jack Dorsey. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say Jack Dorsey. he is probably, depending on what hour of the day it is, balling. Only because it seems <laughs> like Twitter goes from like, you know, everybody uses it to then there's a scandal, then it's blocked, then they're blocking people. So I'm going to say ballin' for right now. But that could All change. Right. That could change. See, now I am with you to an extent, except for where you say that he's only balling some of the time because Jack Dorsey is balling all the time. And the reason why is Jack Dorsey is known as the CEO of Twitter because we all use Twitter and everyone's like, oh yeah, Twitter. Je Twitter is Jack Dorsey's side hustle. It's what he does in his spare time when he's bored. 
His real moneymaker is Square, which is this payment processor. It's you know, it's literally the squares that you used to see you put your yeah, credit card into. But but they've you know they've evolved so much. They have a market cap now of eighty two billion dollars. Oh my god! The stock is up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's where his real money is at, and that's why he's really balling. Uh, Jack Dorsey. Also, great news for Twitter today. The stock. Um, and by today, of course, I mean yesterday. Uh, the stock on Wednesday was up about 8%. It's now the highest it's been in five years. So even his side hustle is balling. Jack Dorsey, for sure balling. Wow. Yeah, What's what do you got, Dan? I have the Equinox Hotel. <laughs> uh, I would say since they're a hotel, I would say bumming. I think most hotels are bumming right now. Yes. I get emails literally uh, once or twice a week from the hotel lobbying groups saying that Congress needs to pass a stimulus bill because they're running out of money and having to lay off more and more workers. So I'm going to go bumming. Okay. I'm going to say bumming too, but I got an email that like they're just running some promo now because obviously they're probably desperate for, for people to stay there. So I'm hoping that the prices become so low that it's like, it would be kind of fun to stay in a super luxurious hotel for nothing. And then I can like, you know, impress people in a fake way. <laughs> So well, you're not going to get nothing, but how cheap? How cheap would it have to get for you to buy? That's a great question. Like, I'm hoping like Motel Six level, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and then, and then, and then, because they're bumming, I would then be balling because I'm impressing everybody. Like, you know, people will call me and I'll be like, "Hey, what are you doing?" Oh, I'm just hanging out at the Equinox Hotel. Yeah. <laughs> just staying here because I feel like it. I'm going to take all my business all right. meetings there and stuff. And <laughs> <laughs> That's great. All right, I like it. Uh, yeah. All right, Dan, balling or bumming, Google. Well, based on the news, I'm going to say bumming because I saw that they were, there was like an antitrust lawsuit. And what doesn't make sense to me is like, yeah, I think Google should be busted up. But like, why even wait for the lawsuit? Like, why not just do it? That's what, that's what I don't <laughs> Just know? go in there and just like rip them apart. Like, all right, yeah. no, you, because this is America, Dan, is the answer <laughs> to that question. That's why you can't do it. Yeah. It's uh, so are you saying, and, and I are you saying balling or bumming? It's, it's like one of those things where you want to hate these big companies because these big tech companies, because they're such, they're such, they're such monopolies. And the thing like you use their products and like, like YouTube's amazing. It's amazing what YouTube. Yeah, YouTube is amazing. So Dan, you still haven't said balling or bumming. I'm going to say they're probably, I mean, they're, they're definitely balling money wise right now, but it looks like they're going to be yeah. bumming very shortly. All right. I disagree with you completely. I say balling. Uh, and here's why, because of exactly what you said, they're going through this antitrust case. Uh, you know, it looks like they're going to be split up, but the stock today, I'm sorry, yesterday, Wednesday, the day after this was announced is up 3%, uh, basically recouping all the losses that they may have suffered on the news of this thing coming out. Everyone's just buying the dip. No one believes that anything bad is going to happen to Google. Google is balling. They are, even when they take on the U.S. government and attorneys general from 11 states that could be increased to 50 states, they keep balling. Google is balling. Oh, well. Okay. What do you got, Dan? I have Metro North. The Metro North. I have not taken the Metro North in about seven months. And okay. I was talking to someone yesterday who said she takes the Metro North for work and there's no one on it, so I'm gonna say bumming. I'm gonna okay. go bumming. I'm gonna say bumming too, except I forgot my mask yesterday, and they had an extra one on board. So props to them for being prepared for the for the friendly riders. So I'm gonna go balling. 
<laughs> I love I love your fundamental analysis, Dan. Yeah, and also too, like, you gotta love how like the ticket takers like that's still a job in 2020. That's just hysterical to me. Like that's such a great like that's unions at work right there. Like that's a job that really shouldn't exist. But yeah, the fact that like there's like you know these ticket takers with like the old school hats and stuff. You just gotta love that. Yeah, yeah, I. I do love that, except for I, I hate when I think I'm going to be sneaky and just kind of like hop on the train and they catch me and they're like, yeah, now give us the money. Yeah, I've, I've tried it many times. But yeah, I know they somehow come, always come. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, man. Well, let's get into our next guest right here. Uh, Jimmy Song. He is a Bitcoin educator, developer and entrepreneur, and he is the author of the book Programming Bitcoin. He's obviously a big supporter and a big proponent of Bitcoin. Uh, Dan, the Bitcoin skeptic, is going to get into it with him a little bit. But here's Jimmy Song on uh, Market Banter. Jimmy Song, thank you so much for being with us. How are you doing today? I am doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem, man. Thanks so much for being on the show. Um, so we are known a bit as crypto skeptics here at Marco ba- Market Banter, <laughs> but but not because we don't like crypto. Um, I think it's just for, I'll speak for myself. For me, I'm still a little puzzled by the whole thing's uh, viability and sustainability. But big news today, PayPal announcing that users are going to be able to buy, hold, or hodl, as, as the kids say in the cool crypto gang, uh, and sell crypto on PayPal in 2021. Talk to me about someone from your perspective who's looking at this, what does this news mean to you? Well, uh, I, I think you're right to be skeptical about almost all crypto, except Bitcoin. Bitcoin's the one that's actually interesting, and that's the only one that's actually had uh, significant adoption. It's the one that's actually decentralized and so on. So it's no surprise to me that PayPal is doing this. Um, yeah, I, I, I imagine this is a way for them to monetize something like Venmo, which I'm pretty sure they don't really make any money off of. Uh, yeah. But by, I think they lose money. Yeah, they, they lose money, but by having uh, a way to monetize it by allowing buys of Bitcoin and probably other cryptos, um, you know, they, this is a way to uh, capitalize on that. Um, I don't think all of the other cryptos are a good idea. Uh, that's the direction they seem to want to go in, probably because there's more margin for them. Uh, you know, people like having choices. But yeah, that's that's what it yeah, means. Yeah, so wait, Jimmy, really quickly, um, how would they make money off of, off of Bitcoin? Uh, well, by selling it, then they become the broker, so they can take a little bit of a cut. This is uh, Cash App's business model. So I imagine they take maybe one, one and a half percent of each transaction. And people, when they buy Bitcoin, it's not usually a small amount. So this can be a substantial source of revenue for them. Gosh, uh, Jimmy, okay. I, I don't mean to, um, I'm such an, I've tried reading up on crypto and it, it still mm-hmm. just doesn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. So like, do you do you pay with a full coin or is it a percentage of a coin? Oh, you, it's, it goes down to eight decimal places. So like one Bitcoin can be subdivided into 100 million Satoshi. Uh, so it's actually quite divisible and it's more divisible than the dollar. So a Satoshi is worth one one hundredth of a penny roughly right now. So that's how, so you, you pay like with like, 0.02 bitcoin if you want to pay somewhere around 230 dollars yeah okay. dan, don't don't and get then like, light dan ask him what you really want to ask him 
<laughs> I just feel like, um, like I was telling Dion before, like, uh, and I know that you're like, you dedicate yourself to Bitcoin and that's awesome. And I don't want you to think I'm like, uh, skeptical of like your, your, you know, your life's work and stuff. But I feel like if a hacker is demanding to get paid in a certain currency, which is what Bitcoin is, I feel mm -hmm. like that same currency probably shouldn't be legitimized. No, am I wrong to assume that? <laughs> well, so uh, right now, if you uh, had somebody kidnap you, uh, they would probably demand U.S. dollars. So do you, does that mean that the U.S. dollar should be banned? Right. No, th th that's a great point. But I guess the dollar is there's that, that could be traceable, right? Whereas the whole point of Bitcoin is that it's untraceable. Well, I to to a large degree it can be traced, and especially for a high-profile thing like a kidnapping or something like that, they they do get traced. In fact, there there are certain um, exchanges where if uh, if some money comes in from a particular address, they immediately know to notify the State Department because it's known to be linked to Iran or something like that. So. Um, yeah, there, there, there are certainly tools that you can use to trace it, although, you know, it's possible to defeat those tools and it's kind of a cat and mouse game. Uh, but that said, like, it's, it's a lot, uh, lot more convenient and like how people use it doesn't mean, uh, doesn't, you know, define all of it. You can use a car to go, you know, pick up your kids from school, or you can actually use it as a murder weapon to go kill a neighbor that you don't like. Right, or something right. Like no, for so sure. I just feel that like that doesn't I, mean that. Like, I mean, like I've read about like the Silk Road and stuff like that, mm -hmm. and I just feel that uh, I don't know. There's just an element to Bitcoin that I don't fully trust. Am I am I wrong? Well, it's it's how people are using it. Uh, the thing is, like there there's a way in which people use it that you hear about on the news, which is Silk Road or. Uh, you know, ransomware and, uh, you know, drug drops or something like that. Uh, but there, there's also a lot of really good uses of Bitcoin. You, you know, there's a lot of people fleeing the Maduro regime in uh, Venezuela. You know how they get their money out? They can't carry cash or gold out with them when they leave the country because the border guards would just take them. What they do instead is they convert it to Bitcoin, they cross the border into Colombia, and then they sell the Bitcoin in Colombia. They're able to actually leave uh, a, a dictatorial regime as a result of doing that. So it's it's done a lot of good for the world. Jimmy, you just don't hear uh, about it on the news. So you're saying it's just a, it's a Bitcoin has a PR problem, basically. Well, it's uh, it's because there's no central PR player, right? Like uh, it's uh, unlike you know, Venmo or Cash App or even like Ethereum, uh, which has like a foundation, you know, you don't have a central Bitcoin entity going around and talking about it. Um, I mean, I, I wrote a, wrote some of this in uh, in one of the books that I've written, the Little Bitcoin book. It's it's a massive win for human rights, uh, especially. Really yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, you can ask Alex Gladstein, who's the chief strategy officer of the Human Rights Foundation. And he uh, he talks about this all the time. This is uh, this is a major thing in human rights because the biggest kind of oppression yeah. in, around the world That's is true. financial. If you're if you're doing any sort of like human rights activity in any country, first thing that the regime uh, that uh, does to you is to take away all your banking and financial. Jimmy, really quick, let me suddenly let me you ask can't you one last anything. question. And that's just about the oh. development of central bank digital currencies, mm -hmm. because that's the thing for me that I think really is a threat mm -hmm. to Bitcoin, especially mm -hmm. with what you've got going on in China. Uh, mm -hmm. There, they seem to be already test driving their central bank digital currencies. How does 
Bitcoin survive and thrive in a world where we've got central banks doing exactly the same thing with kind of stable coins and producing cash that people can use much more easily than they can use Bitcoin. Yeah, and this this is where it's important to recognize that Bitcoin is a store of value savings technology and not a uh, a better PayPal or Visa or Amex or something like that. Uh, the thing about these central bank digital currencies is that it, it's not really anything new. They're, they're most currencies are mostly digital already. I think only, uh, you know, they're, they're, the M2 money supply of the United States is somewhere around $18.5 trillion right now. Only a very small fraction of that, maybe like about 3%, is actually in coins and bills. Almost all of it is a... Right is an entry on some database in a bank. Uh, and that's the case for all currencies around the world is that most of it is digital. So when they say central bank digital currencies, it's already kind of digital. They're just talking about making it more convenient or some, or more traceable or something like that. Um, and it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything like what Bitcoin means. Bitcoin has a hard cap of 21 million Bitcoins. Uh, what what the central bank digital currencies do is just uh, you know it, it just makes it more convenient to buy and sell with, but it doesn't mean that the government can't print more. And in fact, they do print more. They're printing more every day. Uh, the so U.S. You're saying Bitcoin Bitcoin can't you can't just print more Bitcoin. No, uh, there, there's a fixed supply of 21 million that's being you know like I think right now we're at around 18 and a half million. Uh, of the 21 million, but the, it goes asymptotically towards never will go million. over 21 million. Um, but yeah, the, that that's the that's the main value proposition. Never can't go over 21 million. And, and who made that rule? Uh, Satoshi Komodo. The it's Satoshi Nakamoto, but yeah, Nakamoto. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah, but that that's who made the rule, um, and it's it's based on. Uh, particular supply uh, release schedule and everything like that. Uh, about 18 and a half million of it is, is already out there. All right. I mean, you heard from Jimmy. I think he made a, a pretty strong case. What did you think, Dan? I, I agree with that. All right. So you're going to go get some Bitcoin now? Uh, still not. I still don't fully get it, but I think I have a better understanding. All right. Well, you know what? We got some education. We educated some people. That's all you can ask for. Uh, that's going to do it for the Market Banter podcast. Uh, I am Dion Rabowen, financial journalist, Axios Markets newsletter. Go get that if you ain't got that. Uh, Dan, you want to plug anything? Um, just listen to the show next week. All right. Yeah, listen to the show next week. Dan Enfield, uh, I am Dion Rabowen. Thanks a lot for tuning in, guys.